0: Oh, hello, friends! It is Bowerly on News Radio 930 W B E N. It's Thursday. Always uh, Thursday's always a good night because we have a standing date with friends: Bill, Gary, who might stiff us tonight; Jim, Kerry, sometimes Booker. But uh, it, it's always fun. It's a never. Um, it's a never-ending cast of characters uh, that uh, come and go on Thursday nights. But anyway, welcome. Good to be with you. Um, last night, the 1791 Society meeting on natural gas was standing room only. Now, they estimate about 350 people were there. My understanding is parking was filled with, even a third of a mile away from the Weber Post. And there would have been more people trying to get in, but people couldn't find a place to park any closer than that. So really a very impressive turnout to hear Senate Minority Leader uh, Rob Ort, along with a couple of Erie County lawmakers, uh, talking about this natural gas ban. And, excuse me, I just want to uh, read the the proposal because uh, I got something wrong. And I don't like it when I get stuff wrong, and I will always own that, and I will always um, correct the information. Uh, and I thank you for calling this to my attention. Um, the, and I did talk to several people, uh, and I was given um, wrong information by several people. So here is where we are, according to Energy Wire, New York's Kathy Hochul has called for the nation's most aggressive ban on fossil fuels in new buildings, setting the stage for a possible showdown with the gas industry and state lawmakers. Her State of the State speech, Hochul, urged the state legislature to phase out the sale of fossil fuel heating equipment in existing residential buildings beginning in 2030 and 2035 in commercial ones. The governor also proposed requiring new residential and commercial buildings to be all-electric, by 2025 and 2030, respectively. Uh, my understanding is it has not been clocked into the state legislature, uh, and it is not awaiting Governor Hochul's signature, as I said yesterday. Um, so I wanted to correct that information right off the top. But is it a proposal? Yes. Does the governor run the Democratic Party in New York State? Yes. Is this likely to pass? Well, you be the judge. How is this going to affect people um, out there? Now, we had a guy yesterday who called in, and he has uh, come forward uh, because he is in the home building business. And the uh, Phil from yesterday is Phil Nanula uh, of Essex Homes. They build homes. Phil, thanks very much uh, for being with us. I appreciate your time very much.
1: Tom, thanks for having me back.
0: Well, uh, first of all, I I just want to make sure that we're on the same page in terms of where this is. The new and correct information that I have is, well, it's not new information, but it's a correction from yesterday, is this was a proposal from the governor to the legislature, but nothing has actually been clocked into the legislature. Is that the information you have?
1: Yes, that's my understanding, too. I believe it actually started with Governor Cuomo. By the way, um, I don't think this was initiated by Kathy Hochul. Uh,
0: we would have to throwing a new wrinkle at me. We'll have to we'll yeah. have to look that up. Uh, but as uh, the as the governor uh, is proposing things, as a home builder, um, you started to explain. Uh, some of how it is going to affect you uh, and, of course, your consumers and consumer cost. And to not to get into the weeds here too much or get off the beaten path, but one of the issues that I'm hearing a lot of from people out there is, well, what about natural gas generators? And my understanding is natural gas generators are going to be banned under this proposal, and the only alternative is a battery generator, and a battery generator is absurdly expensive. If you thought twelve grand for a whole house generator was a lot, these battery generators are going to be even more money. Do you you know anything about these battery generators?
1: I, I've heard of the uh, solar-assisted uh, backup generators. Um, they really don't work that well when typically you would need them in the winter time when, when you're having a storm like we just went through you have very little sunlight you have significant amounts of snow so the uh, panels that collect that power uh, for the for the generator would be uh, blocked when you block a panel with snow and, and reduce the amount of light it has it doesn't produce any power and it would it would stop powering on an emergency basis that's one of our biggest concerns is the emergency? You know, we only use natural gas to heat our house for six or less months a year. You know, throughout the summertime, uh, either we don't use anything or we use elect- you know, electricity to, to run uh, air conditioning. So, you know, in other states, California has done this, but California doesn't get below zero temperatures or temperatures that don't work well with heat pumps that are powered by electricity. So the backup generators are a very, very big concern in, in our world. And, you know, with the storms that we've had over the years, uh, they become very popular. And there's a mad rush now to put them in. Uh, you, you hear commercials. In fact, what I was waiting on hold yesterday to, to come on your show, it was a commercial for natural gas generators. And, um, you know, when you look at what's occurred, I, I have a 92-year-old father that was out without power for four days. During the storm, he had a natural gas generator. There was absolutely no way to reach him uh, in, in, if he was not able to have that backup power. Uh, I know that there was a one of the deaths that occurred was a over 90 year old woman that died because of that. Um, I just don't understand with the amount of um, attention that has been brought to this uh, situation since the blizzard that there isn't acknowledgment that there's a problem in what they're suggesting to do.
0: All right. So with the uh, non-natural gas generators, um, they when when you most need them, they desert you. Kind of like Buffalo's public radio station. But uh, ooh, but that's another story. Uh, Phil Nanula is with us uh, with Essex Homes, and as a, a home builder. Can can you talk about some of the considerations uh, that you have uh, as we start looking at twenty twenty five if this thing is actually passed as proposed by Kathy Hochul?
1: Yeah, sure. It's it's we're learning. Um, be, you know, because Western New York's always had such an abundance of natural gas. I mean, that's what people want. Um, you know, there's some elect- electrical appliances in a house, but in general, you know, we're talking about the heating system, naturally, um, hot water tanks, dryers, cooking, and uh, fireplaces. Fireplaces, since I've been in business over 30 years, converted from mostly wood burning to to virtually all... Oh, I'm sorry.
0: Oh, what kind of ringer does Phil have on his phone? Let me uh, turn that down. What, what song is that? Is it just like a standard ringtone, or did you download a song? Um.
1: It is uh, my favorite movie, uh, The Godfather.
0: Oh, awesome! Okay, I didn't have, I didn't hear enough of it to be able to make the determination, but uh, leave the gun, take that? the cannolis.
1: Turn it off. Forgot to do that. Um, uh, fireplaces have converted in new construction almost to exclusively uh, gas. Uh, these are fireplaces that are probably ninety-six to ninety-eight percent efficient. You know, you don't have to turn them on for a long period of times are convenient to use things like that. So. Um, you know, when you look at, okay, what are we going to do in 2025, um, you know, people in Western New York, they'll probably go back to wood-burning fireplaces, as an example. Um, I have not heard that there's going to be any restrictions on that. There's still information coming out. But, um, you know, wood-burning fireplace is not the most efficient um, thing to have in a home. It actually draws air out of the house, you know, because it has a flue. And, you know, you hear about people that don't clean their flues and they have fires and things like that. So, you know, um, I could see where that would be a problem. The, the heating systems are probably the biggest challenge. Honestly, we, we've already switched to electric hot water tanks because the new building codes have required us to put uh, hot water tanks, gas, gas hot water tanks in that are a much higher uh, cost level because they have to be power vented out of the house. So in lieu of that, we can use uh, electric hot water tanks that don't need to be exhausted, and they could be put into almost any section of the home without venting. And that's, that's been a, a good um, choice to combat the cost of what I just explained. But the, the These,
0: electric, the electric uh, hot water tanks, are they more expensive to
1: operate, and are they more expensive to buy? They're, they're not more expensive to buy. They're less expensive to buy. They are slightly less efficient. But hot water tanks today are only lasting 8 to 10 years. By the time you look at the the cost to run the electric hot water tank during that time and the payback for the for uh, the gas fireplace, you would never pay back for the gas fireplace in time before you have to replace it. So it's, it's a little bit of a fallacy that it's more expensive to run, but it all comes down to ROI. And, and um, you know, making the best decision for what it costs versus how long it's going to last, and it, and it just doesn't it just doesn't pay off.
0: Okay, return return on return on investment. You started talking about the the challenges with heating homes heating, because, you know, yeah. many many, you know, many of us have uh, high efficiency natural gas furnaces. There're still some people who use uh, oil, there are people who use propane. Uh, I'm not sure how many people use electric around here. Can you uh, update
1: us on that? Not many on electric. Um, the you know, in new construction, which is all I do, uh the the furnaces are anywhere from 96 to 98 percent efficient. Gas furnaces; they actually emit a water vapor uh, for the bit of exhaust that does come out of them. Um, the electric style heaters that are used heat pumps. Um, the biggest challenge with them is the operation in low temperatures. They're they're not a bad source of heat, although they they're expensive, and they do require a lot more electricity an amperage in a home. We talked a little bit yesterday about the sizing of the amount of power that goes into these homes. Um, older homes started with 100 amps. When I first started in the business 30 years ago, it was 150 amps. Our our standard panel is now 200 amps. We would probably have to look between 300 to 400 amp panels uh, to be able to support electric heating in a home. Um, what well, we're being told by all the utilities in this state is that they're not ready for this, that the infrastructure that's in these developments, even new developments that we've put in recently, are not sized to handle the usage of electricity that they're saying that they want us to do in 2025. I mentioned yesterday that we have developments that are you know, currently, you know, just coming online, which by 2025, we won't be built out of yet. So that means some of the homes in those developments are gonna be gas, and then after 2025, the, the remainder will be electric. That's a pretty complex situation that even impedes the homeowner from a resale standpoint. Western New Yorkers like gas. When you're in the same neighborhood and one house has gas and the other one only has electric, which one are you going to look at buying first? We are talking
0: with uh, Phil Nanula with uh, Essex Homes. He's a home builder talking about how this uh, natural gas uh, proposal is going to affect uh, building and, and you, the consumer. Uh, not just with builds, but uh, some of the costs associated with um, basically uh, making making this transition to uh, all-electric, which, by the way, big point to mention is our grid simply cannot handle it. If the grid cannot handle what is plugged into it now— how in the world is it going to accommodate everybody having electric appliances and everybody charging their electric vehicles? And the answer is it will not be able to handle it. And it uh, it it's as clear as the nose on your face that this is an absolutely absurd, idiotic, and downright dangerous proposal because we're just coming off of a blizzard, a blizzard of 22, in which – between 40 and 50 people died. And that number, by the way, tragically, is inching closer to 50. And that is more than twice the number of people we had die in the blizzard of 77. Some people say 22, some people say 27, or thereabouts. No, but Nobody's really 100% sure, but taking the 22-figure, Um, Here we are in in 2023. The storm hit, of course, in 2022, and that blizzard uh, claimed more lives than the fabled, infamous blizzard of 77 and there's just there's just no need for it. Phil Nanula is with Essex Homes, and if you have a question as we move along here with somebody who actually knows what he's uh, talking about, the phone number is 803-0930, star 930 on the cell phone, and 1-800-616-WBEN. So you're talking about uh, the, the heating situation, Phil, and when it comes to the uh, electric uh, heat pumps, one person told me, they stop working at thirty-two degrees Fahrenheit. We had a caller yesterday from Farmersville, I think it was, who said, well, his will go to maybe minus ten, minus fifteen, but after that, it's no good. What information can you give us on these electric heat pumps?
1: Once again, we don't use many of them, but from the information I've obtained through our heating supplier, um, He's correct. I, I don't know what the actual temperature is. It's my understanding in freezing temperatures or temperatures that go below 32, probably closer to more of the, in the teens or single digits, that they definitely do not run. The other thing I was told today is that the design of these heat pumps, you know, the average new constructed single-family home is, starts out at around 2,500 square feet and then goes up from there. But an average 2,500-square-foot home with natural gas would require one heater. But I'm being told that after you exceed 2,500 square feet, you need to put dual systems in for heat pumps. Oh, my! So like, like Tony doubles Soprano doubles had two air conditioning units, so we're going to have to have two heat pumps? Well, that's, that's what I'm being told. Um, and the other thing it does is the amperage that are required to run each of those heat pumps then doubles, which also puts a strain on the amount of uh, you know, available electricity uh, you know, in these homes. You know, the size of the panels and the ability to, to work within the transformers that are already put in these neighborhoods and have been designed by these utility companies. You know, I, I will, I'll send this information to you after we're done, Tom, but I have a number of um, uh, reports that were done by the local utilities, not, lo- I should say the state utilities. It, it starts off by saying that the New York State Climate Leadership and uh, Community Protection Act is among the most ambitious climate laws in the world not in the country, in the world. And then it goes on to say that we cannot meet New York's energy needs by relying only on renewable energy sources or we will fall short of the supply we need. So these utility companies are telling our government, state government this, and I have not heard anything coming out of the state government acknowledging that. Wow, I I know uh, Rob Ort, the Senate
0: Minority Leader, uh, spoke last night at that 1791 Society meeting uh, that was attended by hundreds of people. We're going to get Rob Ort on the program at some point when uh, we can bring him on for an hour. He's kind of busy today with the constituent services, but we're definitely going to get him on for an update on the uh, the temperature politically in Albany with respect to the governor's proposal. If you have a question for Phil Nanula, uh, Phil is uh, with Essex Homes. We're talking about this uh, proposal to basically go all electric in residences by 2025 with new builds and uh, later on for commercial builds. Now, one of the things we're going to get into um, there is a misconception out there that people are going to be knocking at your door and confiscating your natural gas stove. Uh, that is not correct. But uh, if your natural gas stove goes down on you, and you know appliances don't last as long as they used to, uh, you you know that it just seems uh, built-in obsolescence is a real thing. But uh, if your natural gas stove uh, goes down. Uh, after 2025, you're not going to have the option to replace it with natural gas. You're going to have to go electric. And if your house isn't up to par electrically, you're going to have to bring an electrical contractor in for uh, an overload uh, or, or uh, a redo, if you will, of your electric system. It's uh, it, This is going to be a major kick to the wallets of you in western New York. It's going to add to the cost of living in New York State. 803-0930 is the phone number, star 930 on the cell phone, 1-800-616-WBEN. Oh, I've been asked by the guys in the next room to say that uh, if if you call in, only call in if you want to go on the air because they've had a bunch of people calling in. I don't want to go on the air, but um, that that's just going to give the producers ulcers at a very young age. They're in their 20s now, but... After enough calls like that, they're going to start looking like I do uh, in in their 20s and believe me, that's not a good thing. It's Powell Lee on News Radio 930 WBEN with Phil Danula from Essex Homes. 803-0930, star 930, one 1800-616-WBEN. <laughs> All right, Bowerly, News Radio 930, WBEN, and uh, more on the natural gas ban proposal uh, from the governor. It has not been clocked into the legislature. You need to know that. Now, about 350 people showed up last night at 1791 Society's meeting on this subject, at which uh, some of the local leaders spoke, including the Senate Minority Leader uh, Rob Ort. Um, we'll, ha- we'll get Rob Ort on the show at a point where we can get him on for an hour to talk uh, and answer your telephone questions as well. I will let you know about that. And uh, Phil Nanula from Essex Homes, um, he's also got some contacts in very high places. And I won't tell you who, but uh, there is uh, – Uh, We are hoping to get a very prominent person on to, not that Phil isn't prominent, but a very prominent person on uh, to discuss this issue, and I'll really be looking forward to that. Uh, Phil Nanula with uh, Essex Homes. Before we take telephone calls from listeners, is there anything that you wanted to say as a home builder about this proposal and its impact on people that mm, I might not have specifically asked you? Well,
1: the one point I wanted to bring up, and this is almost worth its own show, is the governor, and I don't always agree with the governor, but in her state of the state, she brought up that there's not a sufficient amount of homes in the state and that she wants to double the amount of homes that are being built here over the next 10 years from uh, 40,000 permits a year to 80,000. Well, when you look at that and, and you look at the cost associated with what we're talking about now, how is that going to be achieved? We're building as many homes as our customers ask us to build. You know, we'd love to build twice the amount of homes than we're currently building. But there's, that, that's a very complex topic because we also have to have the locations and the lots to build them there. But the reason I'm bringing it up now is as it relates to continuing to push into the new construction codes and requirements. These costly uh, additional codes and these costly conditions that we have to meet, like electrification but but think that we could double our production by doing that it just doesn't make any sense uh, i'm just surprised you can actually find the workers to
0: build homes for you at this point because uh, people i know just can't seem to find anybody to do uh,
1: anything like work that's the other challenge and i said it's a complex topic it's, it's probably worth its own show but it's um i do commend her for acknowledging that there's a shortage in the state we've been saying that for a long time The entire state of New York builds less homes per year than Sarasota, Florida does. 803-0930
0: 803-0930 is the phone number, star 930 on the cell phone, 1-800-616-WBEN. I'm going to let you guys handle the phones uh, in the next room there because I'll end up hanging up on Phil because uh, I'm a bit of a klutz that way. Let's go to Dave, first up in uh, Niagara Falls. Dave, you are on WBEN with Phil Nanula, Essex Homes. Topic, the natural gas ban proposal and uh, new home builds.
2: Uh, Phil, how are you doing today? You, Tom, how you doing? Sir. Sure. Um, I have a couple hey, questions. I'm also in the building industry, and uh, I uh, wondered how the the uh, R-value codes are going to affect this. Are you guys standard with 2x6 walls now?
1: We are. Um, it, it's really, as you know, it's not the 2x6 wall that drives that. It's the whole package um, that's reviewed by, by your engineer that stamps your plans. I mean, you can still build with two-by-four. You just have to do different things to meet that overall rating. But we do. We do. We have, we're have we kind of old school in that we still use two-by-six walls, and we use three-quarter-inch plywood on our floors and things like that. So, um, yes, in, in the R, so far I haven't seen the new code for New York State yet that comes through the international building code process, but I believe that they are upping the R value in the next edition of those codes.
2: Well, my question is to you is that once they do this and – with this energy thing are the old two by four walls because uh, I know as an electrician we have to wire certain ways for certain things and you can only put so much heat for square footage in that um, but the R values are a factor when the architects draw these up and uh, um, that I don't think that the R values in the older homes are going to be able to match up with the uh, with the existing R values is what I, I don't know if I'm saying so, that right.
0: Dave, the, the, what, what, what exactly was your question? I, I don't mean to rush you, but I got to get to a lot of people here. What, what, what was your question?
2: Well, Phil already answered it about the R values that they're updating the codes for two by four walls, is basically what it was.
0: Understood. Understood. Thank you uh, very much, Dave. Good luck with your uh, business as uh, an electrician. 803-0930, star 930, one 800 wben And I have to admit, the previous two minutes of the program was just totally over my head, and they might as well have been talking about building a space shuttle. Uh, let's go to uh, Eric in uh, Allegheny on WBEN. Eric, welcome. You're on with Phil Nanula, Essex Homes.
3: Thank you, gentlemen. Two things. I'd like you to back after my question, I'd like you to back up and elaborate on the International Property Maintenance Code. And I find that very interesting and somewhat disturbing that we are building our houses here domestically under international law. But the reason the gist of my call was smart meters Um, across Western New York. The electric companies are quietly swapping the existing meters that are on most people's house, which is an analog meter that has a wheel. That spins, And they're changing them over to what's called a smart meter, which is a two-way device wherein the electric company can not only monitor your electric usage, they can control it and limit it, and they can also turn it off without sending a technician to your house. So I think what we see on the horizon probably um, rationing coming along for electricity because they're going to overburden the grid. And then they're just going to say you can only use this much electricity per day. And now that the smart meter's in, you're not going to have any choice. By the way, if you have a smart appliance, a smart stove or a fridge or a microwave, the electric company will know every time you put something in the oven, every time you open your refrigerator door. So any comments on international law and smart meters, sir? All right. That's a way to ask it's questions. Inter- Go ahead, sir.
1: It's not international law. And, and I, I, it's a little bit of a misnomer. It's international residential building code. And... Um, it's a little bit of a misnomer because it's not international and it's a, it's really the nation's code. So the, what, what occurs is a state has a choice to either adopt that code or not. But when they, in New York state agreed to adopt it because there's federal funds that come with that. And when you adopt that code, what happens is when the new code is issued, they need to re- regionalize that code. So the New York state uh, chapter takes that code and then l- looks at how it needs to be adjusted based on a region. Uh, primarily, as you know, in Western New York, you know, the cold level that we're in has to be considered, you know, to fit within these codes. But The purpose of the code was to try to make it consistent within the state. Prior to the state adopting this, it was um, uh, every town did their own thing, and it was kind of crazy. And you had to do this in one town and that in a different town, and, and it really was very inconsistent. So that was the one of the reasons and justification of of going to that code so I ho- hopefully that clarifies
0: and, and how about the the smart meters and the smart appliances is that true
1: i wasn't aware of the meters um it, it kind of makes sense i think part of the reason they're doing it is possibly eliminate the meter readers that come to your house i actually had one at my house the other day uh, it seems to be archaic that somebody has to come to your house and read a meter um, but i guess it comes with some other maybe not positive effects, that they can watch over what you're doing.
0: Well, I was reading something from Phoenix where the um, utilities gave consumers uh, some kind of a break cost-wise if they would uh, accept these, uh, uh, not smart meters, but uh, uh, these, yeah, I guess we'll say smart meters. And what they found is that uh, in, in doing that, it did give the utilities control. Uh, and, for example – uh, when there are droughts of electricity, if you will, and high temperatures, you only are able to cool your home to 80 degrees. You can't get it down to 75. It is at 80 and no cooler. Uh, have you heard about that? No, no, I didn't, but
1: you're saying they basically could regulate it.
0: Yes. Like a governor on a car, so to speak. Absolutely. That That's the story that uh, is, I mean, it's, it's online out of uh, Phoenix, Arizona, which uh, is, uh, to me, it's a little bit creepy. Uh, let's go to. Our next caller, then, this is uh, Jim in Marilla, Mm 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBEN. You are on with Philip Nanula, Essex Homes. Hello. Uh,
4: Good afternoon. Uh, Nice program. It really hits some of the items that people need to know about. I have one question. I've also in the home building business for 45 years, and just about every single house I ever put up was gas, for heat anyway, Um, what's going to happen to all the buildings that exist now everywhere from hospitals and stadiums and motels and schools and homes that already have gas appliances in the home, what's going to happen to these buildings, to these people? Are they all going to have to all of a sudden change everything in their home to electric, or is there a, a waiting period till your service dies, till your appliance dies, and then you have to change it to electric?
0: Right, that's, a, that's a good question. Thank you uh, very much, Phil. My understanding is is that if you have, for example, uh, a gas stove in the house, they're not going to come and take your gas stove away. But after 2025, when the gas
1: stove dies on you, you will have no choice but to go electric. Is that correct? I believe it's after 2030. That's what I'm reading on an attachment I have in front of me now. They're saying no new natural gas appliances for homes, heating, cooking, water heating, clothes drying, beginning 2030.
0: And how about the the hookup situation as far as no
1: new uh, hookups? Well, a new new construction is 2025. Residentially. Um, I, I guess I don't know if an existing house needed a hookup, how they would handle that between 2025 and 2030. But the other question I think he mentioned was Jim mentioned was uh, hospitals and more commercial buildings there's also trigger dates and, and I don't have that right in front of me but I believe there's trigger dates for those by a certain year they would have to convert their systems which is monumental I mean we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, we're not just talking about a, hospitals we're talking about you know businesses production facilities supermarkets uh, large Uh, commercial and industrial buildings
0: and in addition i don't
1: know know how that's going to attract new people to western uh, to new york state to want to locate their businesses here
0: well and in addition to the cost uh, one point i think we just keep needing to go back to is the grid can't handle it. it not just a cost question it's a practicality question it's a common sense question the grid can't Handle it. You said earlier, you talked about what the people in electricity have been saying. It can't handle this extra demand. So you're caught between what you want to do and what you actually can do. I mean, you're not going to get a 69 Volkswagen to do 200 miles an hour on the Autobahn. not going to happen.
1: What those utilities are suggesting, for what I'm reading in this article right here, is that there's a hybrid approach they want to suggest. That uses clean technology available to meet the state's climate goals while creating an affordable and uh, affordable transition. A coordination between natural gas and electricity. And and that's I don't know about the equipment that would be required to do that, but it seems to me when you have plentiful natural gas in this area and it's already underground and available, you don't have to worry about it in a power outage. I've never heard anyone say set in a power outage or a winter storm or anything else that they their gas shut off um electric shuts off but gas doesn't so it kind of makes sense to me to look at a hybrid approach and that's another way to phase into this when you look at cars what did they start as they started as hybrid cars they started as cars that both had gas and electric engines before they went to pure electric
0: well i'm I'm a sucker for gas vehicles um not gonna lie that's uh, my preference uh, here is Jim in Marilla on WBen. Jim, you are on. Hello. Okay, Jim decided. I'm. I'm sorry. Let's go to, to Jeff now in Kenmore. Uh, Jeff, you're on WBen. Hello. Hi. How you doing?
4: Yeah, I'm listening to the program, and uh, the question is about you know when you when you use all electric. Uh, some of my relatives live down in Yorkshire in the Southern Tier, and they have. Um, electric, but they have no delivery charge. So their properties, they are they, they use as much electric as they can because it's a much cheaper option than gas. But in Erie County, at least we're in, I live in Kenmore, uh, my delivery charge is a lot higher than my electric. So, you know, and, 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 and then we have Niagara Power right here. So my thing is, shouldn't our region, if we're gonna do that, shouldn't we utilize, like maybe at cost, and maybe if we're going to have to be forced that, maybe remove the delivery charge or something for so many years, you know, to kind of incentivize people maybe to change.
1: Phil, mm-hmm. any thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, that's a little bit above my pay grade. I, I would think one of the utilities would be better suited to answer that, but I would support it. <laughs> I mean, to, to be, you know, there are towns that have their own Fairport, um, fairport, for example, in Rochester, the, the, Cost for electric heat there is so inexpensive because they produce their own their own electricity within their town. Um, maybe that's what these towns have to consider doing. Uh,
0: thank you, Jeff. I appreciate the call, Phil Nanula with uh, Essex Homes. As as you look at the at the situation right now, when you project out to uh, new builds for twenty twenty five. What percentage, and I know that there's so many factors involved, there's labor costs, there's material costs, which fluctuate wildly, but generally speaking, how much more percentage-wise is a new home going to cost after 2025 than right now?
1: It is a hard question to answer, but it's my understanding it's tens of thousands of dollars. Um, probably somewhere additionally between ten and $20,000 dollars. So when we've already got a
0: situation where, you know, we just went through a huge um, real estate bubble in uh, western New York, uh, which seems to have uh, stabilized, at least for the time being, because interest rates have done um, what they have done. You, You have a situation where you've got a lot of young people who are already priced out of the housing market how is she can talk all she wants about building new homes but if people can't afford the homes because they have to be built according to this new proposal what have you really accomplished at the end of the
1: day that was exactly my point i agree with you a hundred percent it just makes it not feasible i mean there are
0: a lot of younger people who look at you know, those of us uh, at, at a different point in our lives, um, and, and they don't know how they're ever going to be able to afford a home. Some people, especially during the bubble, they were in the uh, they were in the market. They'd put forward bids that were higher than the asking price, and they get into wars and the wars they couldn't possibly hope to win. And they were just getting outbid all the time. They just couldn't find a home. And a lot of people settled, and then uh, you know some people maybe with the help of mom or dad were able to buy homes that, frankly, were incredibly overpriced.
1: It's always been confusing to me. On, you know, if you compare uh, private sector to public sector, government, uh, they always go from one extreme to the other. Uh, you, t- you mentioned interest rates. They went from interest rates hovering below 4 in the high 3s to now 7%. You know, why did something have to happen that radically that fast? You know, why couldn't that have been done over time? Same with this initiative. Why does it have to have this edict of 2025 all or nothing? You know, there, there can't be, like the utilities are, are recommending they have a hybrid approach. You know, why don't they sit down with the people that know how to implement this stuff and have them be part of developing this action plan instead of telling us what they're going to do, and then we've got to try to figure it out. But, you know, this, this is all
0: predicated on the idea that somehow um, natural gas and the other fuels – are responsible for climate change, and climate change, we've been through this a a million times. Climate change is as old as the planet. If it wasn't, we'd be doing the show underneath a mile-high glacier.
1: Well, I I think an approach to to minimize it or to manage it is prudent. Uh, We're not against some of these initiatives. We're just against how radical they are and how quick they're being has to be brought to market. But how is it prudent
0: if there's no evidence that man changes the climate?
1: Well, I think anything you could do, well, I don't know the answer to that, Tom. That, that's a pretty complex I mean, if there's not a problem, there's not a solution. It's a good point, but it's debatable if there's a problem or not. And if something could be done better to limit the amount of pollution in our, in our world these days, I, I don't think that should be a bad thing. But I think it needs to be done responsibly, and it should their affordability should be brought into the fold here. I mean, people don't have an unlimited amount of money to react to these things. That hasn't even been discussed of how this is going to be afforded. You know, when you look at an existing home, which isn't my area, and, and you're talking about somebody that maybe is on a fixed income or has limited resources, how are they going to afford to do this?
0: Uh, Excellent point. I I don't have a clue. Phil Nanula, thank you very much uh, for joining us on News Radio 930 WBEN with uh, Essex Holmes. Appreciate uh, your input into this and uh, the first caller about the R values. um, I can't even begin to tell you how stupid I felt during that entire two minute phone call. I was sitting here with my mouth open and cow eyes, just staring. It is uh, two fifty-eight, almost at News Radio nine thirty W B E N. Uh, we're going to continue this into uh, the three o'clock hour. Coming up in the five o'clock hour, uh, we're going to get into the Alec Baldwin thing, and uh, Paul Cambria, local attorney, is going to be with us. Uh, I think after the five thirty news on News Radio nine thirty W B E N to uh, discuss the Alec Baldwin uh, situation. And, you know, a lot of questions are being asked about uh, should an actor be culpable in a situation like this? And, uh, you know, we've, we've been down this road before uh, in previous discussions of the Baldwin situation. And one of the things that I'm a little bit concerned about, and we'll talk about this uh, with Paul Cambria, is um, they threw the book at Alec Baldwin. And are these charges going to be provable in court? Or is this just a big show so they can say, see, we charged him, but we, you know, obviously we didn't have enough to convict him? Don't know the answer to that, but uh, we'll get into that later on on News Radio 930 WBEN. But uh, more of your calls in this whole natural gas situation coming up. It's Bowerly. Welcome to Thursday.